0: Welcome to Obey Your Strengths with Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, Kathy Kirsten. Welcome to the Obey Your Strengths podcast. I'd like to say hello to my friend, Larry Gillery. Hi, Larry.
1: Hey, Kathy, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for being here today. Larry is the Chief People and Communication Officer at KIPP Texas, a public charter school here in Texas. Do I got that right? Public charter?
1: You, you you got it right. That's right.
0: All right. And I've worked with Larry for over a decade now. I can't wait for him to share some of his strengths with us and also some of his just views on great management and great coaching because that's what I have invited him to talk about. First off, Larry, I think I met you in 2000 and I want to say 10, 11? Sounds right. You'll buy that. And buy I remember my first I guess, impression of Larry Gillery is, whoa, he gets stuff done. Do you think that's a fair impression?
1: I, I think so. Uh, when we get into talking about my strengths, there's probably some real reasons why that is the case. Uh, I will say that as I've um, learned over the last 10 years or so since meeting you the first time, I, I still endeavor to get things done, uh, but I, I, I really try hard. To take a, a more people-centric approach to doing that than maybe I did uh, back ten years ago.
0: Uh, well, I thought you had a pretty good people approach. I enjoyed working with you. I actually, at one point in my career, wanted to draw closer to you, and I asked to be re-orged to your organization because I wanted to learn from you. So, it. I remember. Yes, I admire you, and um, it's been a pleasure working with you in the multiple uh, positions you've held at multiple organizations. And we can share more about that as we tell kind of the story of your strengths and, uh, you know, that stuff will come up, but let's talk about your top five, Larry G. Now, All
1: right what the, now, what
0: the the people need to know is that I call you LG. So from now perfect. on, when I call you <laughs> LG, I'm talking to Larry. It's our, it's my nickname. It's a lot That's of right. my no.
1: for you. LG works with me. Life's good is oh. what I tell people. So, <laughs> works. That's
0: right. Um, What's your top five?
1: So my, my top five strategic is number one, relator, uh, arranger, uh, activator and maximizer. And, and oddly enough, if you take those in reverse order and take the first letter, it spells Mars M A A R S. And there are times when that healthy combination is of me, and then I work with people they really do feel like I'm from another planet from planet Mars because it does You know create an interesting mix of seeing the future but want to act right now on uncertain things. So
0: Mm-hmm, I'd agree with that, but I've never seen someone take an acronym of their strengths, that's pretty cool. Mars, Larry, okay.
1: I'm all about strengths, so. <laughs>
0: yeah, you are. And you're maximizer number five. I happen to be, as you know, a maximizer <laughs> number five. We like to maximize, right. it's, we're never right. settled. Never that's settled. Right. Tell us a little bit about your career story. I know that you had an amazing opportunity as a young leader at AT&T. If you wanna start out there, maybe even prior to that, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your, your leadership story of where some impactful moments happened.
1: Definitely. I guess it, it probably started, first of all, my passion for people probably was, was first uh, kind of evident when I was attending the University of Oklahoma. There, I was working on a degree in engineering. I was uh, brought to Oklahoma by way of the National Merit Scholarship Program. And while at OU, I became a recruiter. So I worked in the National Merit Office and I recruited other scholars from across Oklahoma, Texas, other states, gave me an opportunity to really share and what made Oklahoma attractive to me, uh, and also it introduced me to lots of what would become future leaders, not only at OU, but now out in, in corporate America. From OU, I went into, as you mentioned, the Leadership Development Program at AT&T. Uh, I describe it as a high risk, high reward program. The idea was that we'd come in, get three assignments over about three years. Uh, in those assignments, they were all people management assignments. And so you had to learn quickly how to relate, how to connect with people, uh, people who in most cases had, had been in their jobs much, much longer than we had been in our careers at all. Uh, but it was a way for us to quickly learn you know, personal kind of interactions and, and leadership abilities Uh, In the role, Uh, the risk of the role, though, was at the end of three years, you either got promoted, or you uh, were asked to do something else, perhaps at a different company. And in my case, I was able to get promoted successfully out of the program. Uh, Was in that role for a little bit, transitioned from AT and T. One of my leaders at AT and T had went on to another company, Sprint, a PCS. Had a chance to go work marketing and sales at Sprint, which was new for me, uh, but elected to go do that. Glad I did. Learned a ton in the marketing and sales world that really ultimately helped me immensely as a leader and definitely a leader of people and someone responsible for people functions or talent functions at different organizations. From AT&T, went to Sprint for a while, then back a boomerang back to AT&T. Uh, was there for a few years, uh, and then took a position with Harris Entertainment. Harris and Caesars were going through a big merger. I had a chance to run a big chunk of HR for that organization. At that time, it was about a $12 billion business. We had about 75,000 employees uh, across the world. Uh, and that looked like probably 40 or so locations across the world as well. I learned a ton there. Um, was living in Las Vegas, enjoying my, my time there, uh, but missed uh, technology and, and had a chance to, to leave um, that job and joined another really, really smart kind of mid-growth startup company at the time uh, called uh, Red Hat. Red Hat was super exciting to me because Red Hat was one of these technology companies that was highly, year over year, regarded as the best places to work type organization. They had sort of made the shift from, uh, you know, really being an enlightened leadership culture where, you know, as a leader, you weren't expected to be the smartest person at the table. As a leader, you were expected to bring smart people around you and really be an icon or beacon for for other talented people to find their way to to Red Hat. And so it was much more important as a leader to be an attractor of great talent than to necessarily be the brightest person at the table. So for me, that was a a real awakening and an aha moment. It's also where I probably got some of the foundational leadership that I I bring forward in my career now around servant leadership. That was really a push of ours and really understanding that as a leader, uh, I'm certainly there to to not only serve customers, serve the business, but absolutely serve the team members. And, you know, I will say that there were other companies that I've been back in my career or had a chance to partner with, but that wasn't always kind of the prevailing mindset as a leader. And so I often think about that time as kind of a pivotal leadership transition uh, in the way that I thought about. Uh, being a leader and and why being a leader was important. And then ran through some other technical organizations, um, landed at Rackspace in San Antonio, uh, where Kathy, you and I had a chance to meet and work together. Again, great places to work, culture, a lot of servant leadership, always putting rackers first. uh, And so found that that was an organization where I could really thrive. The other thing that was super exciting for me is that my strengths were able to really be not only put on, on, on a, like a, a showcase, but I was able to, to literally every day engulf myself in work. That allowed me to bring my best uh, into the role. Uh, interestingly about, about Rackspace, I had a chance to meet with, with Graham Weston, Kathy, who you know really well. And I w- I'm all pumped up to go meet with Graham. I'm like, oh, I got my, my 90-day plan. I got all these things ready to go. Uh, I get into the meeting with Graham and the first thing we did, and it took our entire time together, was he asked me the same question you started with. Larry, what are your top five strengths? Uh, and so we went through my whole strength reading uh, for <laughs> your about forty-five minutes. <laughs> we did because realizing that for me at that time it was all relatively new for me. It wasn't for Graham, right? As right. a seasoned practitioner, relatively new for me. And I'm sitting there thinking, "What is all this?" And then he's asking me questions and almost, you know, asking me questions to sort of validate behaviors that he anticipated I had just based on my strengths profile. So it was it was really an interesting, uh, and in lots of real ways, uh, life-changing experience. Made me really want to embrace strengths uh, as we all did at Rackspace. Uh, became ultimately kind of myself certified and being able to coach people around strengths just because uh, that experience was so, so again, I think changing for me.
0: I have a funny little tidbit to add to that. One time I was sitting in a meeting with Graham and someone else was, pitching something to him and asked Graham, Hey, do you require people to take strengths finder before you work with them?" And he looked at him and said, well, no, no, I don't, but I don't work with anyone. I don't know their strengths. Right.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> so you fill in the blank with that. So it's really funny that he asked, he spent his first one-on-one with you learning about strengths.
1: No, he a- absolutely did. We, we spent that time together and, and it was great. So really enjoyed the time at Rackspace. Uh, left Rackspace to go work in healthcare with a few private equity firms, uh, taking small companies through kind of acquisition and then back to sale. And now I've been at Kip, uh, Texas Public Schools for the last year and a half, again, in the role as chief people officer, uh, helping, uh, helping this organization uh, through an integration and merger and, and then through kind of a scaling and growth operation. Right now, we have over 50 schools. We serve almost 30,000 students across the state and are one of the largest charter school organizations in the country.
0: Well, it's been fun to watch your career through the last decade that I've gotten to know you. And I always appreciate an opportunity to work with you. I, I jump at that chance. You know, one thing that I have learned about working with Larry Guillory is that your activator is strong so one way that I've learned to I guess play to the strength of your activators when you give me an idea I say yes let's do it and then I get started on figuring out how to do it later on not asking too many questions my strategic input learner definitely wants to ask you lots of questions I'm sure in the early days I frustrated the heck out of you but I've learned to now go, you know what? We'll figure it out as we go. That's what activator does. So it's been fun, Larry. And I want to um, tease out a little bit more about your strengths. If you were sure. to say what strengths were showing up very, very early on for you, tell me, you know, some stories from your early career days.
1: That's a, that's great. I, I would say, you know, oddly enough, I was early in my career, um, Probably the two that I lean on the most were my top two, oddly enough, uh, strategic and relator were really, really natural for me, um, but created a certain amount of frustration. I'll start with strategic. You know, when you join an organization as a manager, uh, you're not always in a position where your work is strategic on a day-to-day basis. Your work can be a little bit more tactical, a little bit more operational. And honestly, Kathy, for me, early in my career, I struggled with that. I I wanted, my natural instinct was, I wanted to be a different set of conversations. I didn't just want to execute a decision that had already been made. I wanted to participate in the discussions that where people arrived at the decision uh, because I felt like I had an ability to kind of see around corners. I had an ability to bring things together in a way that could help, but I just weren't in those roles functionally that really called for that uh, back when I was an early manager in my career. And so frankly, there were big parts of my day that would be frustrating because I was just called in to execute on someone else's plan or someone else's strategy. And I felt like the organization was leaving a lot of what I naturally had to deliver on the table. Uh, the second though, that was really, really beneficial, as I mentioned at at AT&T, and and it was Southwestern Bell back then, now it's at t uh, I was in people leadership roles. And so I inherited uh, organizations that, you know, in large, in large sense, a lot of folks that I led early, these were union represented employees. These are folks who, for different reasons, hadn't always had a great relationship with management. And most conversations when I arrived were conversations that had to be mediated with a member of the union or a representative and, and, and all that kind of thing, just because prior relationships had been so tense between management and and, and the, the team um the bit of good news is you know and there were some some procedural policy things that you know man, mandated some of that but the good news is i was able to leverage my relator strength i believe and forge really really tight relationships with some of those early teams in a way that even though i may have had a union steward in the conversation They weren't talking through the steward, they were still talking to me. And they were workplace issues, people issues that had lived on for years and years and years over things like seniority, over things like the quality of your work versus the quality of my work, but legitimate things that were getting in the way and not allowing people to communicate the way they needed to be, to be effective. I was able through my ability to relate to each of them kind of individually, and relate to the team collectively, able to break through some of those barriers that have been in place for a long, long time.
0: I am a living example of someone who has built a relationship with you or, or vice versa, right? You right. you invested in me and, and built a relationship with me. So I can kind of imagine how this, this happens where when I was in my Uh, career struggle for a a brief period of time. And I got some great coaching from you. You helped create moments in our conversations that made me feel like I was totally heard, but also helped me see the bigger vision of what we were working towards. So I can see that that is probably out of all the things that you do very well. One of the best things that you do is to help people connect to, you know, feel that they are heard, to be personalized, uh, to feel like you know what we bring to the table, but also how to fit it into the bigger picture. Man, I can kind of see that strategic relator, arranger, maximizer thing all coming yeah. together. <laughs>
1: right. And then the activator,
0: right. the, the kick in the pants to go do it, right?
1: That's that's the one, right? The, the activator for me is uh, the one I have to really throttle back and manage. The best example I could share, when I joined Rackspace, um, I was excited to join a great organization I came in with my 90 day plan. Uh, I assessed quickly. I went around talking to all the leaders. I had a pick list of here's what we got to do. And the activator in me was ready to go. And I remember sitting at uh, a leadership team meeting with all of my team and and essentially telling them, this is what we're gonna go do. This is what we're gonna go do. And I was super excited. And as I looked around the table, uh, no one else was excited. It was just me. Uh, And although they were all sitting there, I was all alone because the activator in me was driving so hard that I hadn't taken time to build relationships with the people that actually had to go execute the plan in, in lots of respects. I didn't in, engage in them and even the build of the plan necessarily because I was just so eager and so excited and that activator drive is, is huge and, and I just wanted to go. And uh, when I, I did get questions from folks, it was, it, was, it was a nuisance, it was annoying. Quit asking me questions. Let's just go, and you'll get your answers in, in three months when it's all done. Or when asked, well, Larry, how is that going to happen? I would say things like, well, it's, it's PFM, pure freaking magic. Don't worry about it. We'll get it done. <laughs> and, and frankly, that's what I felt. I felt like we could just push, uh, and, and we needed to go. And, and that drive is, is, is so natural as an activator that you got to work really, really hard not to let it consume you because there are other folks who are a little bit more deliberate. They need more answers mm-hmm. to, to come along with you. Uh, and as a leader, I learned that at Rackspace and I, and I literally just for like 90 days, I stopped activating. And it was, it, was, it was a really tough thing to do, but I did. I was very planful about it and really started working more on the relationships and the coalition building so that I could have the team with me when it was time to activate. And, and I know it worked only because, you know, or so later, I'm in, in, in Graham's office and Graham and I on the back of a napkin was talking about, hey, we need to launch a career school and w- maybe we'll call it Open Cloud Academy. And literally this was like a Thursday. Um, I have that meeting with Graham. I meet with my team on Friday. We brainstorm how we could go get it done. And literally by Monday, walls were being moved and things were being purchased. Instructors were being hired literally three days later. So the activator me was doing cheers, jumping up and down, but I was able to activate that way with my team because over the last year and a half, I built relationships. I'd really invested in them. They knew more about my natural style and it allowed us to really execute quickly and, and move quickly on getting that career school started.
0: Yeah, well, I know a little bit about that PFM. Let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the way you build that. So let's get super tactical for a moment, Larry. Sure. When yeah. you're coaching and you're building and you're in coalition building and investing in people, I know the secret sauce to Larry G, because he shared it with me. The three Cs. So take us through the three C's. Now listen up. If you are an early manager, here is a secret in your pocket that will be incredibly valuable. Yeah, you know,
1: well, well, Kathy. First, uh, thanks, thanks for asking about it, and and thanks so far for all the complimentary things uh, that you said. Um, The three. I've got woo, you know. (laughs) Right, right. So I I appreciate the woo in you. I really do. Um, Let Let me say this. Um, You know, you read all these leadership books, and as a young leader, or even as a seasoned leader, uh, it can really be overwhelming. And so, part of the the genesis of uh, the three C's is my own attempt for my own use to sort of simplify and really say, look, you can read all this stuff and it's good to commit it to memory. But if, if in the moment, what are those things you can do in the moment with members of your team to make things better the next day or the next hour or the next minute? Uh, and so it really distilled down to three things, um, the three C's, Kathy, as you described it, and it's coach, connect and celebrate. Uh, And what I try to personally challenge myself with is each and every day, find somebody on the team and find a moment or find something to coach them around or through. And it could start with simply, hey, how's it going? What's keeping you busy this week? Generally speaking, if a leader comes and approaches in in that kind of non-threatening way, you'll hear something that you can kind of probe on that you can provide potentially some coaching points. And it could be something as simple as, you know what, I I dealt with a situation like that. So-and-so over in this team might be able to help you. Or, you know, this resource externally might be a good guide for you to use or this tool or or whatever the case may be. Or if they're dealing with an interpersonal thing with a member of their team, you can actually talk them through, here's a good way to have that conversation or here might be a good, good way to approach it. But I really try to find a way to find at least one individual on the team How's it going? What's keeping you busy these days? Whatever that will create an opportunity for me to offer kind of a point on coaching. Uh, And it can, it can, it can range across a number of disciplines or competencies, but you know, it's an opportunity to coach. Uh, And then the connection piece, you know, it could be a personal connection time, or it could be a work connection time. You know, like for one person, I remember at rack, we connected over music hey, I understand you You play in a band and, and I see you occasionally with, with a guitar. What music do you like? And the way I've extended that now, Kathy, is when I have teams, I still like music. I have team meetings. And, and what I do now, I take advantage of technology. I get everyone in a team meeting to give me their favorite song. And so I build a playlist. And so literally when I'm driving from city to city for a meeting or going home in the afternoon, I'll put on the recruiting team's playlist. And then I'll listen to their songs and I'll remember who, whose favorite song that is. And then when I see them a couple of days later, I'll remind them, hey, I, I listened to your song on Wednesday and I was in the car, you know, jamming it out uh, to, to really songs that some would have naturally been in my playlist. Others are not natural for me, but I like. And it's a way for me to connect through something I enjoy music with, with members of the team. And then on the celebrate side, that one, right, is easy to say. We don't, as leaders, take enough time to do it, but it's just really to authentically celebrate wins. Um, you know, if you have clarity within your team on what winning looks like, as a leader, you have to celebrate those wins when, it, when they happen or the things that might lead up to, to a big victory. Take time uh, and say, hey, this is fantastic. Oh, last week, someone on my, my team shared a strategic proposal on how we were gonna roll out our mission and vision statement. In that conversation, we had a a Eureka brainstorm moment about how we were gonna capture the video, make that really come to life, make it more engaging. And it was really taking a risk the way we wanna do it. Take that later subsequently to our CEO and the CEO was all thumbs up and thought, wow, this is amazing. So I didn't hesitate. I immediately got on the phone, called the person who leads marketing for us, and said, "Wow, you know, she she was blown away. She thought it was the right thing to do. Let's let's move forward." And we celebrated in that moment two things: a uh, the good idea, but our willingness to take a risk. And if that's the behaviors that you want to encourage within your team, the ability to celebrate that is going to make all the difference. So again, it's Coach Connect, celebrate the definitions you can tweak and tune to fit you. But if you just take that time and you don't need to do all three to one individual, it could be multiple members of the team, or you could just pick today. I'm coaching three people tomorrow. I'm connecting with three people, whatever. But when in doubt, those simple things really make a big difference.
0: And it does work because I remember feeling like you're running me through the three C's when we were talking to each other in the hallways. (laughs) <laughs> right, of rack right, space. And now it's right. a little bit different now that we interact with each other in a more lateral way. And, and you're not my boss anymore, but that is right. the way that, I mean, it, it, it works building connections. And yeah, well, let me, work.
1: And, and let me, let me, let me pull a, a yellow card on, on Kathy Kirsten on her podcast. She called me boss. I hate the word boss. We were on the same team, uh but I'm boss, yeah, is a word I don't I don't love. I I I could be your coach or team leader. I can accept those, but <laughs> boss is not my favorite.
0: All right. So in the org <laughs> chart, you were above me and <laughs> right, right,
1: right. <laughs> I'm Fair just, point. Uh,
0: you know, and, but I appreciated the mentorship and I learned a ton from yeah. you and the three C's were, were one of those things. Now I want to talk about creating moments because this is something yeah. I've been thinking about. And then I want to give you a chance to tell me what you've been thinking about lately. Something yeah. that's been running around in my mind is about creating moments for people and the power of creating a moment. I wanted to give you some credit, man, this is sound like a Larry G fan club show on this podcast, but it's sort of true. There was one point where you planted a little seed in my mind. You you created a moment for me that made all the difference that I still reflect upon and go, wow, yeah, that's, I'm on the right track. So here's the story, Larry. You don't know this, by the way. After one of our Senior leadership meetings at mm-hmm. Rackspace. The C suite were meeting, and, and we were getting you and I and the SVP of HR were going in to talk about uh, some culture work that I was were owning and working on, and we were trying to gather some decision making decisions. We're trying to gather sure. some decisions from them, and I was the person in charge of presenting. So the SVP introduced me. I went. I mean, everyone knew who I was, but you know, I. Did the thing, right? I went out there, I set the context, I gave them all they needed to do, and I asked for the decision. We got the decision, we walked out. And I was really nervous because that room had so much self-assurance in the room. Right. I mean, if we were to take this top five strengths of the senior leadership team at that time, self-assurance would have been in the top five. And I was very nervous about this. And and I came out there and I looked at you like, oh my gosh, was that okay? And you said, You are so influential. I had like, that was probably the most influential presentation I've ever seen. And I thought Larry G's seen a lot like in it, but, and I don't know if I even said anything to you, to be honest, but I planted that in my head and I believed that about myself and you. So that's what I'm talking about, about, creating a moment. We can empower people, help recognize yeah. their strengths and empower people to own those strengths in a way that they may not have done naturally. And that's what you did for me.
1: Well, first of all, I didn't know that. So um, I'm glad that that moment uh, had, had such an impact. I think reflecting back on kind of what what headspace I was in, often, you know, we give feedback from our leaders and, and our peers. And unfortunately, Kathy, that feedback is not at always as direct or intentional as, as it can be. Uh, and so I really try when offering that, you know, again, going back to coach connect, celebrate, if I'm in that celebratory kind of mindset, I, I really try to be specific about what we should celebrate um, so that people can, in fact, internalize that message, even push back on me. Well, Larry, I don't think so. Well, how? And then I'm, I'm able to give evidence facts so that will reinforce the how's and the whys, And so, so people can, can really believe um, my, 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 my opinion on it is look, if you can help people believe um, something that's already true about them, uh, but believe it even more, um, you're, you're setting their career on fire. You're accelerating them in some really, really me- meaningful ways. I think about, you know, not only kind of professionally, Kathy, I remember even earlier in my career, I'm, I'm working at Sprint. And and I again, I, I didn't know this until later. I was working with this gentleman, Willie Medlock. Willie was a customer service rep for us. And one day after work, he wanted to meet with me. And I thought, okay, well, he's going to quit. What's going on? I don't know what's up up with Willie. And he he said, well, Larry, um, I'm not going to take up a lot of time, he said, but I just wanted you to know something. I said, yeah, what is it? He said, well, since you've been working here and I've been working on your team, he says, you know what? I'm a better dad and a better husband. And I thought, what are you? Okay, (laughs) why is that? He goes, no, 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 but just watching how you interact with people here, our customers and our team members, I've taken some of that, your behaviors, and I've modeled it and taken it home. And he goes, really, man, I'm, I'm a better dad and, and a better husband. Um, and it, it did a couple things. It, when he said that, it, it stopped me in my tracks. One, it helped me appreciate that as leaders, our responsibility to the folks on our teams extend well beyond the four walls of our buildings uh, and the organizations that we work in. And if there's a way, to extend through your own kind of leadership style, um, reinforcement of behaviors or attitudes or beliefs that will help people be better fathers, better brothers, better sisters, better mothers, whatever the case may be, in the form of better, then we have a right or an obligation, even as a leader, to to do so. Um, not just you know, relative to to things at work. Um, so so generally, you know, Kathy, I, I try to do my very best. Uh, When I have those opportunities with people, what gets me super excited is not only when they, again, as Willie did, apply it at home, but when I see tangible evidence of them applying it in the workplace or when their careers just go crazy. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to over the years who were on the fence. Larry, do I take the leap? What leap? Do I leave corporate America and go out on my own? Do I take the leap? Uh, and, you know, I've talked to lots and lots of people and I've shared with them very honestly why I felt like they were ready or for some why they probably needed a little little more work to do before they got ready. Um, but for those who were ready and who believe what I said, it's fun to now see them on their own. And you're one of those examples, you know, Kathy, But people who've taken that, believed not only in themselves, but was reinforced by what I shared and have now their careers are, are really taken off. Uh, and they're they're smiling every day. They're enjoying life, right? Where many of the folks, when when, when I were having these conversations with them, they, they weren't in that better place. They were in a place that was a little bit more bitter and they were having some challenges with changes or uh, dealing with a new kind of direction of the business, whatever the case may have been. Um, but they had an inkling to go on their own. I, as a leader, were able to reinforce that. And now to see them having great success in their lives and careers, then there's no better reward than that, in my opinion, uh, for for being a leader of people.
0: What have you had going through your mind lately in your own world? I know that you're transforming this organization, working on transforming this organization to be a a very large school. You have lots of moving pieces. What kind of things have been rolling around in your head?
1: As an organization, uh, are facing some interesting times. You know, KIPP Texas as an organization is only about a year and a half old, although KIPP in Texas is over 25 years old. Uh, but we are a collection of four regions that have now come together in what outside of education, we would call the merger, right? right. Uh, and so we're still dealing with the change that comes along with that merger. I uh, think about cultural change, you have changes in process, you have institutional knowledge that may leave through kind of attrition, et cetera, for all of those pressures and challenges from a people and systems perspective that other big organizations face, you know, we've been facing those. Um, A lot of the recent focus has been on kind of values uh, and rolling out and reminding the team, what is a set of core values that should inform the behavior of adults here at, at Kip Texas? And how does that behavior uh, influence the, the young people, the, the little Kipsters, as we call them here, that we have in our care each and every day. Um, you know what is, what does all that mean? We've also uh, as KIP Texas are part of a larger network of the, at the, the KIP Foundation, there's KIP nationally. And the, at the KIP foundation level, we've recently uh, gone through a revision of our mission and vision that now applies to the entire network. Um, you know in regard to a, a slightly revised mission and vision, What does that mean to when you think about our core values and all the promises we make to to young people and their families each and every day? Um, The the other thing that's really been occupying a lot of time, I think about education equity. When you think about the communities that we serve, so much of our purpose is to create access to education that is on par, that is strong, that is good, that will enable our students to have access to careers and college opportunities and scholarships on par with folks who might live in areas that have a, a, a slight or, or even a great you know socioeconomic advantage over, over the communities that we serve. And so thinking about hiring the right talent and cultivating the right talent and people who are oriented kind of naturally through passion and their own core strengths to come in and do the kind of work and to push hard and to move fast in a thoughtful way um, to, to really create a brighter future for, for the young people we serve and their families. Uh, it, it, it's certainly a, a task and a challenge I think about on, on a daily basis. I mean, you can, you can certainly, you know, I, I can't stress this enough, Regardless of the organization, I think talent and, and having the right people with you makes a huge difference. And in this role, so much of my responsibility is helping teams identify cultivate, recruit, retain, and engage the right talent. So there's probably not a single day, Kathy, when I'm not thinking about ways to, to to so that tomorrow the talent at KIP is better. On on Friday, the talent's better. The following Monday, the talent's better. How do we get better each and every day across all the jobs and sets of responsibilities we have?
0: I think that's the core thing that you provide to an organization, no matter what industry you're working in, Larry G, whether it be the casinos in Las Vegas, to right, the right. medical group in Houston, Texas, to right. charter schools, to a technology firm. I mean, you are all about talent. So it's yeah. been fun <laughs> watching. No, you. look,
1: I've, I've definitely enjoyed it. And, and you know, like like I know, uh, part of being a maximizer uh, means I have an affinity to talent. And and certainly maximizing that fills my bucket. And the fact that I get paid to do it, man, I'm clearly living the dream.
0: (laughs) Yes, you are. Well, this was fun. Let me ask you my last question. If there's any strength that you have to obey in your top five, meaning, man, you got to feed its need, you got to wrangle with it and wrestle it into submission sometimes. But if there's any talent, you told us early on in your career, it was strategic and or yep. later, but where are you today? What strength do you have to obey today?
1: Yeah, you know, my, my maximizer plays really, really strong most days, um, you know, you gotta be careful that it doesn't become a shadow, right? When, when overplayed as mm-hmm. some strengths can, can do, um, but it, it's great. I now work with teams and I, I found a way to position my maxim, maximizer well. So now that members of the team will, will reach out and say, hey, look, Larry, I need you to help me maximize this. So you know it, it, it takes a while to get there with the team because sometimes uh, maxim, maximizing someone's work could feel like micromanagement or it could feel kind of overbearing at times. Um, but I've been able to position that strength in a positive way with, with the team. And so people are comfortable coming to me to help them maximize, whether they're on my team or other teams. And so that that really fills the bucket. Where it gets me in trouble is when I go home and my my beautiful wife has uh, cooked a, a great meal for the family, and the first thing I say is, "Well, you could have added some more cayenne pepper to it." Uh, that's that's not a good a good thing to maximize. Uh, I'm learning that when it when I'm when it comes to my home life, I, I just need to kind of go with the flow, and, and and let my wife do all the maximization that that needs to happen there. <laughs>
0: Oh, does that hit home with me? (laughs) Well, thank you for your time today, Larry. It's been fun talking with you. And best of luck for the rest of 2020. And I'll catch you on the flip side.
1: All right. Sounds good, Kathy. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Obey Your Strengths is produced by Geek in Media in association with Game Day Media Enterprises. Executive produced by Lorenzo Gomez, John Garcia, and Michael Argent. To learn more about Kathy Kirsten, visit her website, kathykirsten.com. That's K A T H Y K E R S T E N dot com.